So, I watched a movie, uh, it was like two weeks ago, but I got the wiki page open. I watched a movie that you watched, Brent. <gasps> um, Which one? Uh, it is Glass Onion, a Knives Yay. Out Adventure. Or, no, it's a Knives Out Mystery, it's not an adventure, it's a mystery, technically. It's, Even though, it's, as it's Daniel Craig himself adventure. says, he says in the movie, no, it's just dumb. And that pretty much summarizes the movie. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I, I mean, I I'm sure you'll get there, but I I think I said uh, after I watched it that it kind of intentionally sandbags itself. Uh, yeah, for the uh, laugh. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I liked about a third of it. Um, from around the point where the flashback starts, up until things get really stupid at the end. Um, you know, like in that section, it felt like there was more intrigue going on. Um, and, you know, like, it was actually trying to make something of the dumb nonsense social commentary shit they were doing for the first half. Um, but, yeah, then, then things just get so stupid at the end. Yeah, I, I like the setup, but, I mean, setup is setup. It, it's not super interesting, right? Um, mm. You know, and then they get to the night where the events actually happen, and yeah, like you said, like oh, things are happening. It's it's good, and yeah, it the the movie kind of throws itself down the stairs for a laugh. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, so okay. I mean, at this point, the movie is like six months old. So anybody who want and more than that, it's like eight months old. So anybody who wants to see it's already seen it. Eugene's already seen it, and based on our viewing statistics, he might be the only listener left. So, hi, Eugene. We're talking about Glass Onion. I know you've already seen it, so this won't be spoilers. Um, Hello, yeah. two cattle, as in yeah. like cat. See, get, so, get, it's, a, it's a pun. Yeah, it's, it's so like the movie starts off kind of like Knives Out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, I, I I didn't quite hear the joke, so I just talked over you. I I, I said hello, tea kettle. It's, it's oh. good because it's like tea kettle, except mm. ca- a cat. Mm. Except cattle's a different word. So yeah. a tea kettle would be like a cow it, that it's, is it's, uh, in a teacup. It's hyphenated. It works better in text, which well, is why yeah. I said it on a podcast. Yeah, well, you would need yeah you need to double hyphenate it to be tea cattle, because uh, a tea cattle would be like a cow, but when you milk it, tea comes out, <laughs> which is might be less gross than actual tea. Mm. It's just it's just dirty water. Well, yeah, it's it's water that you boil with leaves in it. Yeah, it's dirty water. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so Glass Onion starts out similar to Knives Out in that we're introduced to a bunch of douchebags who you're supposed to hate. Um, yeah. And also similar to Knives Out in that it's kind of a both sidesing centrist take on that. I mean, you know, th- there's more right wing douchebags than left wing douchebags, but th- there's some of both in there uh, to the point that it's like, I don't know what Ryan Johnson's position is on anything if he's just. He kind of strikes me as just like a smug prick who thinks he's smarter than everyone else. You know, between these, those two movies and Last Jedi, which are the only things of his that I've seen, uh, 
Well, I think he probably the... just really hates Twitter. Maybe. Yeah, because it's like, like the left wing person in this is like someone who is like aggressively, um, you know, like uh, about climate change and protecting the environment, but they're being an asshole about it. So, fuck saving the environment. I guess. I mean, like the whole plot kind of hinges on this like experimental clean energy alternative that turns out to be just like crystallized hydrogen and super explosive uh, because you shouldn't try to find a better energy source than good old oil or gasoline go oil and gasoline companies yeah it's kind of a weird uh, setup <laughs> yeah uh, but but yeah no because uh, yeah we're introduced to an array of pricks um, there is you know yeah the the person hi. who's uh, I guess a politician who's just very in your face about climate change and needing to do something about it. Hey, it's uh, Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> but also, she's actually just in it for the money, I guess, because, you know, liberals, they, they talk big about wanting to save the world, but really they just want to make big money, right? Um, uh, and then we've got Dave Batista. Paying, playing this like douchebag chauvinist uh, men's rights activist guy. Hey, it's Andrew Tate. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's all all the people you know and hate from Twitter. Um, you know, the, they all go to Elon Musk's house to have a party because they're all friends. Uh, hey, it's the Hulk. Also, yeah, the, I mean, and there's also like some guy who's like a doctor, but also he wants profit off of this thing or something. I don't even know what his deal was or why he, we're supposed to hate him um, and then there was some fourth person who I forgot about. I think oh yeah the fourth person is just like an influencer idiot um, yeah you know, just like a very vapid fashionista who at least was kind of funny in you know like she's got her like media wrangler following her around trying to keep her from getting a phone because she posts the dumbest shit like she agreed to have her sweatpants made in a sweatshop because she thought a sweatshop is where you make sweatpants. Uh, I got the impression that that was just an excuse and not... Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It's a little hard to tell if she's as dumb as they make her out to be. Um, but, uh, yeah, because you know, all of these people... Our friends with our Elon Musk-esque guy, played by Edward Norton, who has a house made of glass full of glass art objects and stuff, and he wanted to invite everyone to this murder mystery birthday party thing by get, sending them all puzzle boxes, and somehow a puzzle box also ended up in the hands of their former colleague who he murdered shortly before this event happened so why did she have i, I didn't spoilers catch what yeah well i already said full spoilers um <laughs> the movie bounces around in time and so will i so yeah we the dinosaurs there, there did is it. There is another person who is presented as a woman named Andy who has some kind of beef with everyone in this group. Uh, it turns out it's not Andy because Andy is dead and it's her twin sister, Helen. Um, but, uh, yeah, for some reason she still got invited to the party even though she was killed by the Elon Musk guy. Um, but 
I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Some, somehow she got a hold of one of these boxes, and rather than solving the box, she just took a hammer to it and pulled the invitation out, and then sent it to Benoit Blanc? I, I'm not yeah. sure what the timeline is on the... Like, it's revealed in flashback that the, yeah, she is the twin sister of a person who is actually dead, and that she went to Benoit Blanc and you know they they made a plan to have her pretend to be her sister to infiltrate this party with Blanc who would play dumb and say like oh I don't know who invited me uh, but uh, you know he actually did know this time it's not like last time when he was invited by a mystery person and had to puzzle out who it was um, so yeah uh, so they had they have their their murder mystery party Blanc you know, solves the mystery just by looking at the setup, and everybody's disappointed. Um, but that wasn't the actual mystery, because the real mystery is that, uh, I mean, one, he murdered the sister, because, you know, Andy, because she is the one who actually created the program that got him rich and famous. Um, but when she took him to court over it, he had all of these people lie about it in court so she lost that case but then she found the evidence that she needed to prove that she actually was the creator of this thing so he killed her with like sleeping pills in her coffee um so helen and blanc are trying to get that evidence back because he's got it stashed away somewhere in this house um and then it's revealed that Andy is dead, which is a thing that, you know, the only people who knew were Helen and Blanc, and uh, I should look up this, so I, I mean, not that I need to, you know, protect Elon Musk's reputation, because he is also an idiot, but this different idiot, let's see, Miles Braun is his name, so, okay, so Miles, the Edward Norton character, um, is the, yeah, he, he is the one who killed her, so he knows that she's dead. Um, but it, it comes out, uh, and, uh, so the first person to discover it, because he was checking his phone, is, um, Dave Batista. So he tries to blackmail Miles, and Miles just poisons him with pineapple juice, because it turns out he's allergic to pine, like, deathly allergic to pineapple juice. Um, and so then yeah there's uh, like a you know flashbacks explaining how we got here and you know that there was a twin sister and whatnot um but uh blanc accidentally plants the idea in miles's head to just shoot this you know person he thinks is andy who you know i guess he you know thinks she's there and that she's not actually dead even though he thought she was dead but also he doesn't really seem to react to that which is i don't know it's it's weird it's like if if you murder a person and then they suddenly show up at your party with a world famous detective like what are you doing not trying to you know leave that party immediately like, yeah but you're you're ignoring the twist which is that he's a fucking idiot yeah i get i mean that that is yeah the dumb twist of the movie like yes he's an idiot but how much does that excuse because like he 
he's an idiot, but he has murdered now two people through deception. But I guess it was like just deception and opportunity. Plus, he, you know, Blank mentioned something about, you know, having like a loaded gun or something. And that plants the idea in his head to just shoot not Andy, which he does, but then she doesn't die because there was a notebook in her pocket and it caught the bullet. Um, so, yay for cliches, I guess. Um, so because she survived getting shot, uh, she and Blank make a plan to, you know, take advantage of that and have her sneak into the office and find the, uh, napkin with the evidence, which she does, and then she brings it down to the party and is like, haha, I found it but apparently is waving it so close to Miles' face that he can just pull out a pocket lighter and burn the thing up. Uh, like, what What the fuck are you doing waving the evidence that close to the guy who most wants to destroy the evidence? Even if you didn't remember that he had a pocket lighter, like, what are you doing? He would just snatch it out of your hands and rip it up. Like, the fuck. Um, and that's where the movie just got so dumb. The like, real uh, twist is that everyone was an idiot all along. Mm. yeah because it's like she has the napkin and then it gets burned up oh no what do we do now um and everyone in the room previously lied to protect miles's reputation and miles is like you did any of you see a napkin with evidence and they're all like nope so they're just gonna lie again um so what helen does instead is um smash all of his art stuff sure uh set fire to his house okay that's that's a, a bit uh and then um use that explosive you know hydrogen fuel thing to explode the house which also it was set up earlier that he's got the mona lisa on loan from the louvre um and it's in a protective glass case but he set up a button so you could drop the case so he could, I don't know, get his grubby fingers all over it or something. Um, so that was set up so that at this big dumb climax, when she's burning the house down, she could dramatically run over and open the case and burn up the Mona Lisa because I, I, I guess that's the only way to get, you know, like, like basically, so the reason that her sister you know, had all this trouble in the first place is because everybody lied on the witness stand. And now our, you know, triumphant conclusion is that everyone's going to lie on the witness stand and say that Miles destroyed the Mona Lisa even though Helen burned the house down and opened the protective glass case to burn, like, she burned up the Mona Lisa, but they're going to blame him for it. So, it's like, it's a mystery story where the truth doesn't matter at all. Uh, like, that that's the conclusion. It's like, well, lies ruined her life, so now lies will ruin his life. And everybody just lie on the stand. That's, the, I don't know. It, it's fucking uh, stupid. Uh, uh, it, it's a fucking stupid conclusion. And Ryan Johnson is full of shit. Uh, I don't know what he was thinking with this movie. I know it's based on a Beatles song that, like, the point of the song... I, according to him, it was just, 
you know this idea of like a, a mystery where the answer is obvious all along in the center but the the Beatles song called Glass Onion that plays in the credits is a, a nonsense song that they wrote to make fun of people trying to find a deeper meaning in their songs and that just kind of makes it worse that it, it's like the whole movie was just made to troll the people who watch it like go fuck yourself I guess I don't know as as Daniel Craig said no it's just dumb it's just dumb yeah I I think there's a bit more sense in the details uh, but it's been like six months since I've seen the movie so uh, mm. I mean whatever like yeah, like Glass Onion is kind of uh, like all all the problems that a lot of people had with the uh, the Last Jedi that I didn't really care about mm. is like magnified ten times in Glass Onion. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Last Jedi, I, I guess compared to Glass Onion, did still have you know earnest moments, and you know like. Even though, like, it had parts where it felt like it's just kind of making fun of the audience for caring. It, you know, it did have, you know, parts with, like, Luke and Yoda and, uh, and, you know, Rey and Kylo, I guess. You know, like, th th there were parts where there was, like, actually a heart to it that Glass Onion just feels, like, cynical. Yeah, like, I, I, I did like the, um, I, I forget her name. Um, uh, the one who replaces her sister. Um, oh, uh, the actress? I mean, it's um, Janelle Monet playing Andy and Helen. Yeah. I, I, did, I did like her um, in Glass Onion. Hmm. Um, but... Yeah, it, it all kind of... Like I said, it, it it in the movie intentionally sandbags itself uh, because it, I guess it's funny um, mm. because he was an idiot all along. Get it? He was a glass onion. All yeah. the layers, but you could just see right through it. Haha! <laughs> get it? Yeah. I also I don't know why they bothered to like at the start of the movie. They're like, it's twenty twenty, and it's the pandemic, and we're all wearing masks. And then when they get on the boat to go to the party, they get, like, sprayed in the mouth with some, you know, hypo spray thing. And Blanc is like, oh, did that cure it? And, uh, uh you know, uh, what was it? It's like, don't worry about it, is what he's told. Which is like, you know, <laughs> barrel straight to the audience. Like, yes, we're in COVID, yeah. but don't worry about it. Like, why did you even bother to set that up if you're not yeah. going to do anything with it? I'm I'm assuming when they started making the movie, um, it was still uh, it it was probably in I guess twenty one, probably b before uh, you know before shit even started getting worked out. Um, and yeah, because well, it, it came released, out in, it yeah. released in the second half of twenty twenty two. Yeah, it released like October November of twenty twenty two, and the vaccine existed from. Like what? Early twenty twenty one. Yeah, it took like a few months of rollout, but 
like yeah there was you know the vaccine from then so i don't know it just it felt just kind of smug like i don't know maybe because like i've had to you know work retail with all kinds of just shitheads who don't want to mask up and uh and then having this movie just be like oh yeah we're all wearing masks but don't worry about it you know you just spray you spray the shit in your mouth and now you're fine um I, I don't know. I, I felt like they should have just left that plot point out altogether. It wasn't really funny. It was just kind of shitty. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess the intention is like, okay, so he has just a mouth spray that will cure the pandemic, but he just uses it for him and his asshole friends, I guess. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's possible. I I think that's the intention, but I don't. I don't even know if it was that well thought out, to be honest. I, th- I think it was just like, okay, we yeah, don't want like, all the actors in mass for the whole movie. And yeah, like even we, when they go we into film flashbacks. This in 2021. Yeah, like when they go into flashbacks. It's like, well, I think like sh- I think she shows up like with a mask at his door, and we find out you know his uh, husband, I guess, is Hugh Grant. So that was, that was cool. Um, you know, it was fun seeing Hugh Grant again after you know I've watched. Like, of the movies I've seen so far this year, I think the Dungeons and Dragons movie is my favorite, and Hugh Grant plays a really fun villain in that movie, so it was fun seeing him show up in Glass Onion for, like, one shot as he's just, like, answering the door of their apartment. But he wasn't asked in it. I I don't know if I could say whether, um, Across the Spider Verse or Guardians 3 was my favorite. Hmm. Yeah, like Across the Spider-Verse would probably be my favorite if not for it being half a movie with a pretty dumb, um, you know, the whole canon event thing. Like, maybe when the, you know, part three resolves all of that. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I did like it, but Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, uh, just like, as a standalone experience, it's, it's just a really fun movie. Yeah, fair. But yeah, it, it's it's close between those two. And like Guardians 3 was good, um, but I didn't really like it as much as the first two. That's fair. Um, I like the part where uh where I like the part where he says fuck hmm. <laughs> I I didn't really have an answer when I started that sentence um, so I had to make one up as, as I went yeah. I'm very good at this Yeah I've also I've watched the Mario Brothers movie a few times now and yeah it's I still I don't know I had a fun theater experience with it um, it, it's all right background noise. The modern music drops are definitely annoying and just don't really fit. Um, and apparently that's, like, I, I don't know, I read somewhere that, like, the original cut of the movie didn't have all those, like, pop songs in it. But I guess, I don't know, some of the execs didn't have faith in uh, the musical score that was made for the movie, so they dropped in all the like most cliche pop songs in scenes. Then it just it, it doesn't work. But I don't know. 
I like the movie okay, but it, it's definitely not like in my top movies of the year. I haven't seen it yet, but I've seen the Jack Black Peaches song, um, mm. and that's a ten out of ten. So yeah, well yeah, that's I know an there's at least one good part. Movie. Yeah. So yeah, that gets the Oscar for me. Yep, yeah, best it, original it, song. <laughs> yeah, it it's eligible for best original song. <laughs> And if it doesn't get that, win. it could get the Oscars stand-up-and-cheer moment. <laughs> like Flash entering the Speed Force did a couple years uh, ago. <laughs> it's a, did that actually happen? There was... Um, uh, it, whatever year the Snyder Cut came out, the Oscars, you know, to try to get, you know, more regular people to watch, had a couple polls for... Um, there, there was, like, stand-up-and-cheer... Like, best stand up and cheer moment and then there was i don't know it was like a fan fan choice movie and like fan choice movie moment and snyder cut and the flash entering the speed force both won those um i will google that that real quick that internet poll had to be just constantly brigaded by snyder fans yeah i think it was on twitter that they did like a twitter vote that that one hundred percent explains it. Yeah. Um. I mean, I don't think much else came out in twenty twenty one. I I think it was twenty twenty one. Uh. Yeah, yeah, it probably was. And yeah, twenty twenty one, the movies hadn't really rebounded. Yeah. Like movies this yeah. year have been pretty good. You know, as yeah. much as a lot of them have been like expensive flops it's still nice that there's just like a lot of movies coming out that feel like things i want to see after a few years of just nothing yeah like the little mermaid yeah i still kind of want to see that i'm waiting for uh the disney plus release so i don't have to pay for it i'm i'm just not gonna and I mean, do do I'm, I want to see it because it's a uh, you know tan mermaid in a tube top? Yes, but <laughs> you know it, a watch is a watch. I'm not going to go out to a theater to watch it like that and have a bunch of little girls wondering why this pervert is sitting in the back watching Little Mermaid. But <laughs> just, you're just like in the front row, yeah, violently masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no um yeah let's see if it, can i find this uh i can find things with people talking about the flash entering the speed force moment well wait the snyder cut wasn't even released in theaters right or did it have a limited um, release it might have had like a limited release probably had like a fucking imax release <laughs> yeah i don't know they did one of those dumb like release it for a week at an la theater and now you're eligible things yeah um, probably okay it was the 2022 oscars so that would have been 2021 movies um yeah, yeah i was right about something let's see a little over an hour into the broadcast the oscars unveiled the top five most cheerworthy moments in movie history as voted by the public the top spot wound up being a scene from Zack Snyder's Justice League. Wait, uh, in movie which is, history? Uh, what? The, hmm? 
in movie what? history. Uh, yep. Like like all time, I, I guess. The most cheerworthy moment in movie history is apparently the scene where Ezra Miller's Flash enters the Speed Force in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, Flash entering the Speed Force beat out the likes of Neo dodging bullets in the Matrix, the Avengers assembling at the end of Avengers Endgame, and Jennifer Hudson's Oscar-clenching performance of And I Am Telling You I'm Not Going. So, yeah, uh, Flash entering the Speed Force is the most cheerworthy moment of all of movie history. Okay, I have to admit, that's just somewhat, that's just funny. Like, I'm not even yeah. mad anymore, that's just hilarious. <laughs> like yeah. That. Oh, yeah, here, here's the hypest moment in, in movie history. Like, yep. in, all of, in all of cinema, the best thing that happens is that a fucking... Sex predator um, entered the speed force. Oh yeah, I forgot about the. Okay, so the these categories. Part of the reason they put them in is because Spider-Man No Way Home also came out that year, like a month before, and people wanted that to show up on the broadcast. So I think they were expecting people to say like, "Oh, three Peter Parkers all on screen at once, No Way Home." Which still, calling it the most hype moment in movie history is dumb, especially... I mean, it's just kind of a microcosm of how culture, you know... If it didn't come out in the last year, who even remembers it? It's just goldfish memory everywhere. Yeah, like, the the Three Peters thing is, um, first of all, hot. Um, Mm. (laughs) Second of all... Okay, uh, is that our title card is just three Peters and a very suggestive eyebrow, Peter Parker? I guess. Uh, uh, where was I going? The um, works Peter I, Parker. The uh, the three Peters thing is uh, it was hype in the moment because technically nobody knew it was happening, even though everybody knew it was happening, right? Um, so like if you went to see it the first weekend um, it was a very exciting thing to happen um, even if you did expect it Um, but now like if if you watch No Way Home and there's like a pause there's like a pause in the movie for applause uh, Mm. like when Andrew Garfield shows up you're just like this is awkward. <laughs> mm. Aunt May just died like 20 minutes ago. Or yeah. However long, I don't remember. Um, yeah, like then, right before the climax, I think. Yeah, well, yeah, because wasn't it like the Aunt May death happens and then like the next scene is Andrew Garfield coming through the portal or something? No. Um, I, Peter's friends saw him first. It was around like similar point in the movie, I think. I don't remember. Um, would that have been the first time he met Green Goblin? Um, first time Peter met Green Goblin. Well, no, because there was the whole thing where he wanted to reform them. Um. Oh well, yeah, because there was yeah the, he tried to reform them and then, uh, because I don't think Andrew Garfield or Toby, uh, a- Andrew came in first. 
and I don't think they showed up until after Green Goblin blew up the whole uh, facility thing and killed Aunt May. I just don't remember if it was like immediately after that part that Andrew showed up after uh, Ned learned how to use the sling ring. Yeah, it's 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 weird. Um, I would have to rewatch it because I I completely forget the sequence of events. Hmm. Uh. Okay. Looks like. I can't find what the name of the other Twitter poll thing they did that year was, but found an article mentioning Army of the Dead won something, which is another Snyder movie, so whatever, maybe that's that's what the other winner thing was. You, um, you can't see it, but I'm making a jerk-off motion with my hand. Yeah, also apparently it might have been Twitter bots that pulled that off, but that, you know, speculation i don't know if that's true or not wait was it dawn of the dead um i closed the article let me see uh army of the I dead think Ar- army of the dead was actually it, romero wasn't it was it uh i mean it, it said it was a snyder movie and that i assume it's like uh, a newer like a straight to netflix uh oh thing. did they, did they, Army of the did Dead they 2021 make... okay. uh, is an American zombie heist film directed by Zack Snyder from a screenplay co-wrote. Okay, I, I completely forgot that happened. They, yep. <laughs> he made a sequel to his Dawn of the Dead and yep, called it yep. Army of the Dead. Won an Oscar <laughs> Twitter forgot. poll. Yeah, yeah, because there's, there's a bunch of Of the Dead movies and Romero started them, but... Uh, yeah. Snyder's Romero's awesome. Army of the Dead came out in like the early 2000s, I think. Yeah, something like that. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, <laughs> I know what's I know what's happening now. Yeah, no, they just ran out of titles, so they used the same title. Um, yeah, I am now 1,000 percent sure that the Twitter polls were brigaded by Zack Snyder fanboys. Hmm. Um. But yeah, okay, so from movies from this year, I've, you know, I've started writing down all the ones I've seen and what I thought of them to, you know, make it easier to remember. Because, like, like, I did like Guardians 3, but I, that's one that I keep forgetting that I saw when I try to think of, like, movies that came out this year. Because, um, yeah, let's see, I've seen Ant-Man 3, which I like, and I still like. Uh, I... You know, unlike Mario, which I think is kind of declined as I've watched it more times, I still like Quantumania. It it's a dumb, campy kind of movie, but I still enjoy it well enough. Um, I still don't want to see it. Mm. <laughs> um, maybe if there's a movie that really makes me want to watch MCU movies again, I'll watch it. But yeah. at this point, I'm just kind of like, nah. Yeah, I mean, I am starting to get tired of the, like, Secret Invasion is, you know, on it. Like, the third episode just came out, and I didn't bother to watch it, because I'm just kind of unimpressed from the first two episodes. And, like, we've got the Marvels coming later this year, and I don't really care. Um, yeah. I'm, yeah. I, yeah. 
out of all the movies that might get me back into the MCU, uh, I don't think the Marvels is it. Yeah. Maybe if it gets super good reviews, I might check it out, but I I would guess not. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think anything they've really got on the calendar since like Deadpool three. I definitely want to see it. I'm not super excited, but I do want to see it. But the, yeah, there's there's not a lot on there like upcoming release calendar that has me hyped at all. Yeah. Cause like, what can the MCU really do with hype anymore? Mm. Um. Yeah, I mean, if I don't even know what's going on with the next Spider-Man, if it will be MCU or not. Yeah, I have no idea. Um. Um, yeah, so let's see. So I like Damien three uh, a lot, even though it's dumb. Um, John Wick four. I like the action scenes. I wish they would trim out the fat, but um, and also it it's like the the movie was made you know to be an ending for that character, but because those movies continue to make more and more money. Uh, the executives want a John Wick 5 and the director is sounding where originally he said like you know I approached Keanu Reeves and we decided we don't want to do these forever so we're going to end the character Um, now they're saying like oh we had an alternate cut where actually it turns out he was alive at the end but audiences liked the ambiguity of seeing his grave and wondering if he's dead or not um where i mean he was definitively dead but now they're treating us like no it was ambiguous and you know if we come up with a good idea maybe we'll do another one you know it's like toy story where they keep ending it and then they're like actually we had an idea for another one so let's do a fifth one now Um, hollywood is just completely made of cowards (laughs) yeah so i mean what for i guess the action scene because the only things i liked about four really were the action scenes like those will still be there so it'll still hold up just as well even if they completely throttle the ending by uh making a fifth one where it turns out he's not dead and he's on the run again i guess or i don't know he got out of the game by dying whether he actually died or not so probably the next one would be that someone kills his new dog and then he has to get back in again. Yeah, that's true. Like, what what Just motivation would he even have at this Sisyphean point? Sisyphean cycle. Either that or he yeah. gets, like, dragged out of his death retirement to uh, assist some new up-and-comer or something. They'll introduce five more characters that they can spin off. <laughs> yeah, and then the spin-offs won't do as well because... Lack of name recognition or something. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how well Ballerina does. But, I don't know. It, I, it, just, it feels like, like even the first one doing as well as it's done is like lightning in a bottle. And I don't know if they can catch that again by doing a spin-off and just saying it's in the same universe. Like At some point it just feels too diluted to... You know, like, like, why are you even making spin-offs? Why not just make it a cool action movie and not have to say it's yeah. a John Wick, you know, a, a John so, Wick adventure in the John Wick universe? 
So they can do the glass onion thing where they add a knives out mystery at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it'd be like, uh, I mean, I don't know what a title would be. Um, Dog Guy, uh, a John Wick spinoff. <laughs> mm. A John Wick thriller. Yeah, there you go. A John Wick action movie. A John Wick comedy. Mm. Yeah, a John Wick comedy would be fun. Yeah, if if you're gonna uh, do spin-offs in this very small universe, then you know, mess with the genre, I guess. Like, like that could yeah. be fun. I mean, I guess that would just be Deadpool mm. <laughs> at that point. You know, like the the super over the top action, but then he just cracks jokes. Yeah. I mean, like, the movies already have a sense of humor about how big and stupid it is that this is a universe where every person on the street is secretly an assassin. Yeah, I mean, they're already, like, live-action cartoons, right? Yeah. Um, just... And, yeah, they do make jokes sometimes, like the, the fucking pencil in the second movie. Yeah. Um... Yeah, or like in the third movie where he gets like picked up and thrown through every glass case in that entire hallway. <laughs> or, or in the fourth one where he gets kicked all the way down the stairs. <laughs> yeah. And they just show him falling down like for a full minute and a half or some shit. Yeah. It's, uh... Yeah, it, anyone who takes John Wick too seriously just needs to chill the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Um, but... But still, it's like it's, it's like you said. You can make a movie like in the same style that doesn't necessarily need to be in the same universe. You know, yeah. Make it ambiguous that it is in the same universe. Yeah, like what what and made then, the first one become so popular? I think was that like, yeah, it it's an action revenge movie, but also it had just this really fun subtext to it. Uh, you know, just kind of weird, quirky, like, oh yeah, it's uh, actually it's a universe full of assassins, and this guy yeah. is just one of them. Yeah, and they're all like, aware it, of it, but they're they're just gonna you know allude to it. Th- there's there's an anime that I watched just randomly a few years ago where it's like, oh, in this in this part of this town, like it's just like. Four percent of the entire popula- population is assassins, <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what? Mm. Uh, the, the like a twentieth of the economy is just assassination. Yep, like the, the like ninja town. That's a that's a neat idea. Um, I don't know if it's practical. And then John Wick uh, is just that, like yeah. the, the sequels. Um, anyway, yeah. Um. Also, the main character of that show was a crossdresser, <laughs> mm. uh, and that's and it's not even like the typical Japanese like um like nineteen sixties America view on any kind of gender bending. It's just like, oh yeah, he's a crossdresser. He he wears a skirt and stuff, and it's all right. Mm. <laughs> uh, I I need to look that up and <laughs> see what it was because I don't remember the title at all. Mm. Um. Anyway, uh, 
So. I'm sorry. That was, that was just a complete tangent. That just well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Head. This whole I'm just going over movies from this. Like John Wick 4. Yeah, I liked it. Um, Could have been better. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves is probably my favorite movie of the year so far just because it's like fun but also earnest and the characters are fun and the jokes are funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I liked it. Um, Shazam 2, I wanted to like it but I didn't. Um, Super Mario Brothers movie, I kind of like it, but yeah, I, I agree with most of the criticisms of it. Um, Guardians 3, I liked it a lot. I feel like I need to watch it again because I keep forgetting about it. Um, yeah, I really want to watch it again. I, I don't know when it's going to Disney Plus, though. Yeah, I, I think digital release, is, you know, the like paid digital release is sometime this month. DVD Blu-ray comes out at the start of August, so probably sometime around there is where it'll be on Disney Plus. Because it's usually okay. around the time the physical release comes out that it gets on Disney Plus. Because I do want to watch it again. Yeah, it might it might be like um, Into the Spider Verse, where it's the kind of movie I watch like every six months. Because Guardians Two kind of already is. Mm. Yeah. Um. um. Across the Spider-Verse is really good, and I like it a lot, but also it has the, you know, that one major plot issue and the it only being half of the story issue. Uh, yeah. So, we'll wait until the next one comes out, however long the animators need for that. It might not be next year, but, you know, give them time to make it good, so... Um, yeah, I mean that, that that's kind of the type of thing where um they could have waited to release it. <laughs> but I mean I know Sony is in a constant state of uh needing hits, so Yeah, and well and the main issue that they happen. had that made you know, with like the development on a cross is that like script revisions kept happening during the animation stage, so they'd have to you know go back and do it over, and then like wait to get the notes and stuff. Yeah, I actually heard that there was a a different cut of the movie that started getting shown like uh, two weeks after. Yeah, so the, the there were like some audio mixing issues that I didn't have at my theater, but I guess some theaters had. So they released another version later. And uh, I guess there's, like, minor dialogue changes to just, like, some of, like, the quips that people say. And, like, yeah, I don't know. There, there, there's, like, a couple lines that are different between at least two different versions that exist out in theaters. I gotta say, I really don't like um, in-theaters DLC. Hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, uh... That's kind of annoying. Yeah, because the way theaters get movies now, it's all digital. It's just sent to them. Like yeah. I can't remember what movie... It was some Marvel movie, I think. It might have been No Way Home. Um, when I went to go see it on opening night, they hadn't actually... like They they came into the, the, the people who work at the theater, came in and apologized because they hadn't finished downloading the movie yet because it was you know still being sent to them. So the the movie it didn't start for like thirty minutes to an hour past where it was supposed to start because they were still downloading it. 
That honestly sucks. Yeah. Yeah, but it, I mean, it was big enough that everyone was okay with waiting to to see it. Yeah. Um, and then... That, that is a weird situation then. Like, you'd think, uh, you know, they'd have at least, like, half a day of, of, of like, you know, having the movie on hand, but... Yeah, I don't know. It, it's never happened aside from that one time that it happened. I wonder if there was just a thing where they didn't want the you know the yeah, no Spider-Man thing yeah. leaking yeah. yeah like before the midnight release yeah yeah like yeah the, they have to download it right when the uh yeah you know first release is going to happen I wonder if that's a thing that would that would be interesting to find out hmm yeah I've never worked well, in a movie theater though so I, yeah. I wouldn't have any insight on that Mm. Um, but for other movies coming out this year or that have already come out and I haven't seen but I plan to see um, let's see we mentioned Little Mermaid which I will mainly be watching for pervy reasons but you know is what it is Um, Pixar's Elemental is out now I don't really care, but I will watch it when it's on Disney+. Plus. I'm sure it's fine. Um, I guess it had a really soft opening, but it's rebounded in... I think it was like South Korea or something the movie's doing really well. Um, it's... Huh. I don't... Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, the movie... Uh, I mean, it, it looks okay, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I think the thing with Elementals is that it's really obvious for a Pixar movie, because <laughs> um, you know, like they, they, they've got all these high concepts that they've been making, and then it's just like a person made of fire and a person made of water. And what if they fell um, in love? And it's a Romeo yeah. and Juliet story. But I guess, I mean, I guess it's also, you know, like a second generation immigrant story or something you know like that there's like more to it but also because i don't know it's i've heard reviews of it and it sounds fine um but yeah i'm just not really interested in it i mean i'll probably be watching it sometime next year at the yeah. pace I'm going right now. Yeah, so. when you you're just gonna slot it in at the end of your Disney list and Yeah. I mean but by the time I finish there'll probably be three more movies <laughs> that I've gotta add on the end, uh, relative to right now. Mm. Um, um and then we've got the Flash, which uh, came out. I kinda thought about watching it and then the reviews were bad. But a lot of the reviews are like, it's bad, but also it's fun. So I do want to yeah. see it. I almost want... I, I checked my theater last week because I'm like, I'm, I'm bored. I've got some time uh, to maybe go see a movie. Is The Flash still there? And it, it's not. It bombed so hard. Oh, they really? It out. Not in my... My local theater is fairly small. So they aren't showing it there anymore. Um, like bigger theaters maybe still have it, but 
Yeah, I'd imagine. Yeah, like um, this one, you know, they still make room for, uh, I think, like Spider-Verse still had, like, a couple listings. Uh, not every day, but, you know, like, weekends. I think they still have, like, a, a Spider-Verse showing, and I think there was still, like, a Little Mermaid showing, so that must be getting at least, like, you know, the family crowd in a way that uh, The Flash wouldn't. But, yeah. yeah. Um, one thing I do like about the Flash is uh, the new Supergirl um, looks really cool. Hmm. That's about all I know. <laughs> yeah, from what I've heard, she's not in it that much. So, yeah. Yeah, like all you know, the trailer stuff isn't actually in the movie that much. I think the actress was like petitioning, like. Hey, I I can do this again, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, hopefully, because on the one hand, David Zaslav is a dipshit. Um, on the other hand, he's got James Gunn running the show, and hopefully, he can make some smart decisions. Yeah. I I still have the feeling that the whole DC thing is just not gonna go well in the long run. Yeah. Um, which but, would suck because James Gunn is awesome, but. Yeah, but their credibility has taken such a hit that, uh, yeah. you know, turning that around, especially when, like, all the movies coming out this year, like, people know that, you know, this whole universe they were told to invest their time and money in is falling apart. So, pe- you know, that combined with just superhero fatigue in general, um, or at least fatigue over superhero movies that are not good like being a superhero movie (laughs) is not enough to get butts in seats anymore because people are tired of the bad ones you if you're a spider-verse or a guardians you can still get people to show up by being a good movie but yeah you you can't get people to show up for your your suicide squads anymore yeah your first though the last yeah, the last Suicide Squad is fucking great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know how many people showed up for shit. that one, but it, it, it should have had more. Was that one? Probably. That was HBO Max, though, right? Did that one also get a limited? Yeah, release? I, I think it. Yeah, it was probably, you know, like day and date HBO Max on also theaters. Okay. You know, like Wonder Woman 84, I think, did the same thing. But that one was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I I hear people saying superhero fatigue, but I think the fatigue comes from, like, you know, eight out of the past ten MCU movies have been bad to mediocre. Um, or at least that's the the uh, popular perception. Yeah, um, and then we've, you know, got all these, like, Disney Plus shows for superhero stuff, so the MCU is... You know, exhausted people's ability to pay attention to it, uh, yeah. even if it's good, and um, you know the DC movies. You know, we got like Black Adam, and and just you know a bunch of crap movies that can't seem to figure out any kind of larger picture, even as they you know try to pretend there's a larger picture. And you know we have confirmation now that all of it is just getting wiped and replaced. Um, although, 
you know, they're still open to using some of the same actors and characters, I guess. I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah, it's going to... It's it, it's probably going to be a mess. Like, the... If, if, if it were up to me, like, the only thing you would keep is the Batman and everything else would just be, like, clean slate. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because, uh, like, the Batman is its own separate thing. Um... I think Aquaman is going to hinge on when the second one comes out this year, if it makes, you know, anywhere around the amount of money the first one did. Yeah. And I don't know how the yeah, first got, one made I, that much money in the first place, so good luck to it. China? Probably. Was that one of the ones that did really good in China? I think it did because it was, you know, it's a big special effects, uh, you know, water movie and then yeah i think like that worked out for avatar 2 which is like a point in aquaman's favor but most china releases these days don't seem to make the money they used to it's the audience there isn't interested in uh american movies anymore yeah yeah i i saw a video about that this is also a complete tangent but i saw a video about the the Red Dawn remake from like 10, 15 years ago mm. where they they were like courting it to get played in China so, so they changed the the invaders to um, like from Chinese to North Korean Okay. Um, like so they to, didn't make them the to... enemy like in Top Gun Maverick right um, I think I think Maverick was it's supposed to be like it, they, they don't say but it's supposed to be Iran um, okay. Yeah, I just whole, know it was in whole... a snowy place where the military base was. Yeah, um, which I, but I mean, China already, the the whole the whole thing in Maverick was like, oh, they they're making this uh, nuclear enrichment facility, mm. and uh, the place that makes the most sense uh, today would be either Iran or North Korea. Yeah, but North Korea. I don't think even has a... Anyway, it's probably Iran. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, yeah. That's not... they, they make a point of not saying who it is in that one. Yeah. yeah. They're just like, these people shouldn't have nukes. They're making nukes. We need to blow up the nuke factory. Yeah. Um, and here's the weird way we have to do it. Um, and it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, where was I going with... Oh, yeah, Red Dawn. Um, oh, yeah, so they made all these expensive changes at the last minute um, to appeal to China to get it played in China, and it didn't get played in China, so they just lost a bunch of money. Mm. Uh, which is funny because Red Dawn is... Like, the original Red Dawn is just completely, like, United States propaganda, like... Yeah, you know, it's the, like the, 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 the Russians are going to... Yeah, yeah it's like the, the the Soviets. The Soviets are invading. Uh, the U.S. will never give up. Will never bow down to a foreign power. Mm. And and then like thirty years later, it's like, yeah, we're gonna change the bad guys from Chinese uh, <laughs> to appeal to them, mm. so we can make more money showing it in a foreign country. And it's it's like, yeah, so it's not really the failed. market for that kind of a movie showing it outside of the country that it's propaganda no. for. No. It's it's so fucking stupid. Uh, 
it's just funny to mm. me like how all that kind of stuff goes um mm. yeah and the latest in china controversies with movies is uh, the whole thing with barbie getting banned in what was it like vietnam i think because it so, so there's a thing that I didn't know about. I, I've been learning about it because I, you know, like reading articles about it. Because I'm like, what, what, what's going on with this? Uh, a, there's been a few movies in the last few years that show a map of the world featuring uh, what's referred to as the nine dash line, which is um, there. There's a section of the ocean that we usually refer to as the South China Sea. Some other countries, have said, you know, like oh, the Philippines yeah, refer to it as the West Philippine Sea. Uh, China has decided yeah. that this section of ocean belongs to them, even though the UN has said no, it doesn't. Um, yeah. And so maps in China will feature a big dashed line around that ocean showing it as Chinese territory. And that map has shown up in um a children's dreamworks movie this one called abominable which at least is set in china so it kind of makes sense they have a chinese version of a map even if you know the other countries that dispute that claim are offended that they even you know put it in there it's kind of a weird thing to even include um uncharted also got in uh some hot water over putting that line on the map and i assume what? they do that just to appeal to the Chinese market by saying, like, yes, we will acknowledge your bullshit claim that you own this section of ocean. Um, what? Even though we get banned what in world? the Philippines and Vietnam and, you know, all these other surrounding countries. What world maps even show, like, the borders of, of uh, like, naval territory? <laughs> or, uh, what was it? The naval exclusion zones. Yeah. Like, like what... Like, why would you... <laughs> that's a weird Chinese thing propaganda to even include in the first place. Yeah. No, even but, like, putting I, it in the movie, it seems like it's just a way to try to appeal to that market, I guess. At the like, exclusion the of other markets. Yeah. yeah. Just show the landmass and don't bring it up. Like, is China going to be pissed because you specifically didn't add something that didn't need to be there in the first place? Yeah, I, I don't know, maybe. I, I don't know why they bothered to include it in the first place, um, but Cause like I, I get like I, I I know I know about the the uh, the situation where like China's like this is all ours and there's a bunch of other different countries saying like no you get this this little spot and we all get these little spots and that's how it goes. Um, mm. But like I I it's <laughs> I. Yeah, it's just all really weird. So now Barbie, which comes out in like a month, is been banned by the uh, you know movie review council from Vietnam because it, the as they say, features the nine dash line. Um, I'm gonna send you a picture of this map. I have you seen it before the Barbie map? No. Okay. No. Uh, this is the Barbie map. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> there is a dashed line coming out of a continent that is labeled as Asia, although it is a child scribble drawing, and I'm not exactly clear if that is supposed what? to be the eastern side of Asia, or if that's the northern side and the thing is flipped sideways. Um, Why is there a Florida on Asia? Uh, well, because I think possibly that Asia is rotated, so that dashed line would be coming out of, like, northern Russia. 
Oh yeah, that's um the what? How do you say it? Kamchatka region? Like yeah, like the, the east, east where the Siberia. land bridge to Alaska used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I assume that's what it is, but because it's coming out of the eastern side the you know, Vietnam thinks it's a reference to the nine dash line, even though it's it's not nine dashes, and there are other dash like there's a dashed line coming out of the I don't know if that's Greenland or North America or what, because it's a bullshit child scribble drawing of a map, but yeah, the whole thing is so controversial that uh this is not allowed because of this bullshit dumb map that they uh put in there. Yeah. See, this is funny to me because I've spent thousands of hours staring at maps in yeah. the past, like, five years. Yeah. <laughs> yep, try to identify which of these land masses are... Because, yeah, there's that, like, turn sideways Asia, and then below it there is something that's either backwards Africa or South America just, that's drifted across the ocean. I just noticed that Australia is spelled upside down. <laughs> yep. Okay, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, that's Australia down there, so I guess Asia is sideways. I'm, I'm um, actually crying. And then, that, oh. so that's probably Antarctica <laughs> next to Australia, that purpley mass there. Like, this is, like, yeah, a yeah. semi-spherical flat map. I don't know. It's it's weird and dumb, this whole... Like, I, I get why they'd be mad about, like, the actual controversy, but getting mad over this map seems dumb yeah real world map yep. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see the full thing without half of it being blocked yeah I really do yeah yeah I think that that's like a screenshot from the trailer so I assume the scene in the movie will show us more of the map oh my god that's hilarious yeah um, so yeah, so Barbie is another I, I, movie I have not seen yet, but is on my list of ones to see, and I yeah, well, will probably I, I actually see I kind of want to see the Barbie movie now. Yeah. Like, from the I, trailers... I've seen a clip from it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, apparently it's... It's kind of in the same vein as the Brady Bunch movie, <laughs> is mm. what it seems like. I think it's... It, yeah, it's like that, kind of like the Lego movie of, like, they're toys, but also they, you know getting involved in the real world kind of maybe i don't know the this will ferrell is uh ceo of mattel in this one i think so he's he's like lord business again but i guess yeah it's also like the brady bunch movie in the like they are actually stepping into the real world instead of you know where the lego movie yeah. was just like one shot of Emmett kind of twitching around as a lego in the real world uh, I, I, I kind of want to watch the Brady Bunch movie. It probably doesn't hold up, but mm. um, I think I watched it a couple of years ago, and I don't remember. I, I don't know. I thought it was funny, but yeah, like some of the issues they're dealing with in that are more of the time. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I. I like I'm so glad you sent me that because mm. that that's like the f I needed a really good laugh yeah. <laughs> and that fucking did it. The really nice oh yeah, I'm I'm legitimately crying. Mm. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. And then there was Indiana Jones Five just came out 
I am oh. somewhat interested, but not enough to go see a two and a half hour movie in theaters, especially when the reviews sound like it's okay. I guess. Yeah, there was there was a lot of stuff that seemed like it would be really good, um, mm. and then it wasn't. Yeah, it does <laughs> feature time travel after all, because they already yeah. did space aliens in the last one, so now he's got to travel through time. And go meet Archimedes, I guess. Like, the original Archimedes. Yeah. See, like, because we're Assassin's pe- Creed now, and we're gonna do the whole thing of, like, Pythagoras was actually a time traveler. You know how people hated the aliens in the fourth movie? Mm. Yeah, they really, they're really gonna love time travel, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I don't know. I'll... Like that that's one I don't you know I guess if it comes to Disney Plus at the same time as you know physical cuz I still buy stuff on discs um I'd, I'd watch it on Disney Plus first and then probably buy it otherwise I might just buy it cuz it's probably good enough but I can't see it being like favorite movie of the year um, yeah even though I do have bad taste and I did like Quantumania so it's possible that I might. How enjoy fucking it. dare you? Yeah, yeah. Like it's hard How to dare tell. You like a movie, you know. Like sometimes starring I, Paul Rudd. Yeah, you know, like I look at like the criticism of movies and have to think: Is this something I would still like anyway? Because I like dumb, bad movies that everybody hates, or uh, is this one that I would agree that it it's just not worth it? And like Indiana Jones is one of those where it's like hard to tell. I, I get, I, I don't know. It doesn't sound funny enough to have me get over, you know, how bad the plot might be. Because like, at least Quantumania has Modoc just being a, you know, this weird little freak who has a mock character arc. Yeah, uh, I don't. <laughs> I have a feeling that it's just it's just bad. Yeah. Um, like if it takes itself too seriously, then I get less interested. I mean that that's what everything I've seen leading up to it feels like. It's like oh, this is the last ride. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't really yeah. cared about Indiana Jones since. I get. I I I didn't hate Crystal Skull, but you know I after crystal skull they didn't really do anything with indiana jones so it's just hard to still be interested in it aside from like yes those were good to kind of good action movies i really like the original indiana jones Mm. movies i don't watch them um as often enough but yeah i mean you know, I agree with the general consensus that Raiders and Last Crusade are the best ones. And I like Last Crusade slightly better because it's more of an action comedy, where Raiders is more of an action with comedy. Yeah. Yeah, I can get that. Um, I, also, I also really like Temple of Doom, though. It, like, it's not my favorite. But uh, mm. it like has some I, classic I, moments. I I get that. Um, you know, maybe having uh, an annoying kid around in the movie where a guy 
takes the hearts <laughs> out of his victims mm. um, and a magic spell is uh, you know a bit what's the word um, dissonant yeah <laughs> Um, yeah. Totally dissonant. Yeah, like a clashing um, tone. Yeah, but I mean, it's still like the the minecart chase is still a classic. Yeah, well, yeah, you got that. You got like the the bugs and the spikes on the ceiling crushing down. Um, yeah, you got like the the fight on the bridge at the end. Yeah. Kalima, yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it's got some standout moments. But uh, let's see other movies from this year that I plan to see. Uh, the Marvels. I don't know if I'll see it in theaters or not. I'll watch it eventually because it's MCU, and I'll. I mean, so far I've watched everything MCU. Eventually, um, I'll probably watch Secret and the rest of Secret Invasion once it's all out. But. I don't know, the main thing that bothers me from the first two episodes is just the whole, like, conspiracy, uh, the world is secretly being run by aliens, like, I don't know, I'm just kind of sick of, like, conspiracies in media in general. Yeah, it's kind of hard to to get on fake uh, movie conspiracies when you've seen the damage that like actual conspiracy theories yeah can do in the real world yeah yeah when we've got a you know this marvel tv show being like the head of nato is secretly an alien you know like okay yeah i'm sure there are people who legitimately believe this or believe that you know they they just yeah, like a lot of those kind of conspiracies in the real world are just like a way of making people subhuman. Um, it, it, it just it just feels yeah. kind of gross. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, th- this this regular person, it's okay. <laughs> you know what? I don't want to get into it. Yeah. Um, so I'll I'll watch the rest of Secret Invasion eventually. It's got some, you know, interesting moments, but so far it just hasn't, you know, been a thing I want to watch. Uh, and the Marvels, based on the trailers, it's like, I don't care enough about any of the main characters in it to really want to go see it, and I don't know or care enough about, like, Captain Marvel's comics or part of the universe. Like, like I guess the villain is a Kree, but... I don't know that much about the Kree or care that much about the Kree, so I, I don't know. Like it just it hasn't nothing in the advertising has, you know, grabbed me or shown me why I need to see this. Um, and It'll probably be decent. Let's <laughs> see, and then just like everything else. Then uh, the other, let's see, there's Aquaman two. Um, I didn't really like the first one that much. I'm not really interested in the second, but I, I mean, I'll probably watch it eventually. Um, and then Blue Beetle, which hopefully is good. I like the character from, you know, like Young Justice and whatever else has been. Brave and the Bold. Yeah. That might be one. Like, both of those were out around the same time, so. Yeah. Voiced by Terry McGinnis. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so like that, I don't know, I'm somewhat interested in that. I don't know if I'm interested enough to see it in theaters, but... Um, and then there's also a new Ninja Turtles movie. 
I don't really care really? that much. Yeah, um, M- Mutant Mayhem. It's a animated movie, but they're you know doing kind of the stylized look to it. Um, it's one of those takes on the characters where they are more teenagerish than traditionally. Okay. Uh, and I think like Seth Rogen is a producer. Fucking I don't know if he's a voice in it. Not. It's yeah. Uh, okay, let me look up TMNT Mutant Mayhem. I know they've said Shredder's not in the movie because based on the trailers, the focus is like that the um, you know the turtles are mutants trying to live in a human city. And so the villains are going to be like Bebop and Rocksteady and other mutant animal hybrid people who are also, you know, it's all kind of a metaphor of like minorities, I guess, or something that, you know, they're, they're outsiders trying to live in this society. So it's, so it's just like elemental mutants against mutants. Yeah. Um, Okay, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem is a 2023 American computer animated superhero film directed by Jeff Rowe, co-directed by Kyler Spears, and written by Rowe, Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, Dan Hernandez, and Benji Summit. So, uh, let's see, the supporting... Um, okay, the, the Turtles are voiced by... Micah Abbey, Shaman Brown Jr., Nicholas Cantu, and Braddy Noon. The supporting ensemble cast includes Hannibal Barres, Rose Byrne, John Cena, Jackie Chan, Ice Cube, Natasia Demetru, Io... Wait, 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 wait. Yep. What the fuck? Ayo um, Edibiri, Giancarlo Esposito, Post Malone, Rogan, um, <laughs> Paul Rudd, and Maya Rudolph. Wait, can you repeat... Can you repeat that whole okay. thing again? Because holy shit. The supporting shit. ensemble cast of the Ninja Turtles movie coming this August. Um, Hannibal Barres, Rose Byrne, John Cena, Jackie Chan, Ice Cube, Natasha Demetru, Io Edibiri, Giancarlo Esposito, Post Malone, Seth Rogen, Paul Rudd, and Maya Rudolph. That is the weirdest collection of guest actors. Uh, yeah, yeah, they got some some big names. Is like I think Jackie Chan might be uh, Splinter. That would make sense, this, which isn't really surprising. Um, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross composed the musical score. Okay, that'd probably be good then. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the trailers look good. Um, I don't know if that's one I... Oh, they got listing... Okay, the voice cast. Um, okay, so we got the turtles. I don't recognize the voice actors. Uh, Hannibal Barres as Genghis Frog. Uh, Rose <laughs> okay. Byrne as Leatherhead. Okay. Nick... Uh, no, that's... In, okay. John Cena as Rocksteady. Mm. Jackie Chan as Splinter. Ice Cube as Superfly. <laughs> Uh, Natasha oh Dimitru as Wingnut, Io Edibiri as April O'Neil, Giancarlo Esposito as Baxter Stockman, Post Malone as Ray Filet, um, who's a mutant manta ray, Brady, oh no, that's Ninja Turtle, uh, Seth Rogen as Bebop, so Bebop and Rocksteady are Seth Rogen and John Cena. No, um, um I don't. Paul Rudd as Mondo Gecko. 
and Maya Rudolph as Cynthia Utram. Giancarlo Esposito as Baxter Stockman is interesting. They must be going mm. for like the... A, a more sinister take yeah, on they, Stockman. They're probably going for like the mad scientist, like the, the 2000s cartoon version. Um, I mean, based on, since they're all like the e- animal hybrids, it's probably the version where he turns himself into a fly. Yeah. Yeah, but like, I think in the original, like, even as a fly, he was just kind of like a fucking annoying uh, mm. pest. I don't know. I mm. haven't seen turtles things in so long, so. Um. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he's, you know, since it's Esposito, I don't know if they'd be doing well because I, I mainly know him for like making the mousers but yeah i don't know if that would be a focus or if they just want him to be like the fly because of all you know these uh mutant animal things yeah seth rogan being uh <laughs> one of the main villains is worrying to me um mm. But yeah, he's definitely he's gonna do the Seth Rogen laugh at some point. Um, yeah, like I don't, I don't hate Seth Rogen. I just find him very annoying. Hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean, he it seems he kind of only has one voice. Yeah. Like he played Donkey Kong in the Mario movie, and it's just Seth Rogen again. Yeah. And also, if he's a writer, then that I I probably. <laughs> Like the the parts that he writes is probably just gonna annoy me, um, but mm. yeah. But I don't know. It sounds interesting at the very least. Um, hopefully, yeah. it'll be good. Who's making it? Like, yeah. is there a? Um, uh, I I think it's Paramount. Yeah, Paramount Pictures. Okay. So yeah, if I don't catch it in theaters, I have Paramount Plus, so I could. Watch it on there when it comes out. Yeah, that's how I watched um, Puss in Boots. Mm. No wait, that was uh, that was Peacock. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> because that was no. it was Paramount Plus. It was like five dollars. That's why. <laughs> yeah, Paramount Plus has Top Gun Maverick and the D and D movie. Neat. Mm. I um. Should we talk about... I don't have any other movies from this year, but should we talk about all the Disney movies you've watched? Yeah, Robin Hood didn't make me nearly as horny as was advertised. Mm. Yeah, I guess you had to be there in the 70s when there weren't as many sexy furries around. Yeah. Like, damn, I I grew up with Carmelita Fox, so, you know... (laughs) Yeah. My my boner's already been spit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're saying... Oh, Marion's fully dressed with a, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, head veil thing. Yeah, I mean, like, I... can't I, even I, see your ears. <laughs> the sexy fucking ears. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I said it in the media box, but, like, I, 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 like, she's nice, and she's feminine, and she's kind of flirty with Robin Hood, so, like, I, I get an angle on it, but I, I just don't mm. see it. Yeah, I mean, it was, what, 20 years before Lola Bunny? So, uh, this is all they had back then. Yeah. There weren't any female furries except for this one. No bunny boobies. Yeah. 
I also didn't really get a vibe from Robin Hood himself either. Um, mm. So. Okay, so I guess you've confirmed that you are not a furry. I mean, I didn't really have a, a fear. <laughs> mm. um, I, do, I, I do like the Scottish hen, but not in like a I want some of that cloaca kind of way. Um, just mm. like a. And she's cool. I'd hang out with her. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, we'll just we'll have to keep track as you go through these Disney movies if any of the other furry characters make you horny. Um. <laughs> there is kind of a striptease scene in um, Great Mouse Detective. Oh boy! So we'll see what you think of that one. <laughs> well, I mean, um. What's her name from uh, the Rescuers? Uh, I mean, it's it's just the mm-hmm. voice, though. It's uh, Ava Gabor's voice. It's just oh yeah, like her voice is just hot, <laughs> like like yeah, and that that's that's completely carrying it. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not really horny for mouse, but you know yeah, just that you know exotic European voice. Yeah, I I. I grew up watching like Green Acres and stuff, so I'm very familiar. Um, mm. And goddamn, <laughs> uh, yep. But yeah, otherwise, like Robin Hood, it's it's just a, it's just a really good retelling of Robin Hood. Um, like I don't know how much else there is to say. Um, mm. Oh yeah, I said I, I found I found out that. The, the opening song of Robin Hood was sampled for the hamster dance song uh, mm. which was very popular 20 fucking years ago yeah like, I didn't comment on that because I couldn't remember if I knew what the hamster dance was oh okay that one yeah 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 I guess yeah I can see it now yeah, it's sort of a sped up version of the yeah. Robin Hood one. Yeah, the Robin Hood one is very, like, slow, folksy. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not much to say about Robin Hood. Like, it's Robin Hood. There's a billion different... Um, there's a billion different interpretations, and this is just mm. one of the better ones. Um, yeah. Like I don't. Yeah, I like the Prince of Thieves one, which, yeah, we will have to watch like that. And uh, I guess it could be fun to do like a um, uh, Mel Brooks like comparison watch of you know movie and movie that was it was inspired by. I know some of them are you know like an amalgamation of things, but like Robin Hood Men in Tights and Robin Hood Prince of Thieves, you know, is definitely. Like directly inspired from that yeah. iteration of the story. Yeah, just like Spaceballs is obviously mostly Star Wars, but there's also like Alien and a few other sci-fi. Movies yeah, like it, and it's mostly A New Hope, but there's like a little bit of Empire in there. Yeah, and and then there's like Pizza the Hut is like <laughs> the only real uh, Return of the Jedi thing, and I guess like the yeah, there's the president emperor guy but yeah uh, but it, it's mostly the a new hope thing of uh you know rescue princess and travel through the desert for a while yeah 
Yeah, I mean, there's a there's the Yoda stand-in, so... Uh, yeah. <laughs> May the Schwartz be with... <laughs> I, yeah. I fucking love Mel Brooks movies. Um, yeah, and like, and I don't, I don't know enough about westerns to know if Blazing Saddles is based on a specific western, mm-hmm. or if it's just a lot of the tropes of the genre. I don't know. It, it's Blazing Saddles is weird because it takes the western and it goes into a completely different direction uh, by mm-hmm. uh, like directly tackling uh, the race. Uh, Topic. Yeah, yeah it's you know, more of a race comedy. Yeah, western tropes. And I, I sincerely doubt that there was a very popular western movie uh, <laughs> before that that mm. that did that. Like, if anything, uh, it's it's like Django Unchained, just un uh, like uncomedied it. Uh, like 40 years later yeah well yeah because i mean like the whole like new sheriff in town story it's just kind of like so much of a trope yeah I, I don't know if there's any specific movie you can point to to be like yeah this is the one where a new sheriff comes into town and people don't know if he's actually going to solve the problems or not yeah yeah like i've seen a good bit of westerns but I mean, they they do all blend together, um, and honestly, most of the ones I like are uh, like spaghetti westerns, where you know th- this is like twenty years after, uh, like the the peak, you know, good guys versus bad guys mm. western, mm. Um, or just like really weird stuff, like the Quick and the Dead, or um, Oh, what's the one? Or even like the Unforgiven, or is it just Unforgiven? Uh, anyway, yeah, maybe it's uh, Clint Eastwood and um, Morgan Freeman, which is a kind of like a serious deconstruction of like the classic western. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean it. I, I think Blazing Saddles just took a lot of tropes. Um, I mean, th- it's very possible that there was a super popular Western that just didn't stand up to time that I have no idea about and have never seen. That it's more of a direct yeah. parody of. Yeah, and I think like you know, Mel Brooks movies probably like as they go on, the later ones are more likely to be like just a direct ripoff, you know, or like almost like a scary movie-ish like yeah. we're just gonna make fun of a recent thing type of movie yeah I, I mean I like I think Blazing Saddles that was like 1978-ish so I think that one was like early enough that it was still you know about ideas like Men in Tights is like you know almost feels like that kind of Freeburg and Seltzer like we're making fun of a blockbuster that was you know just came out like the year before yeah i mean i i don't remember when high anxiety came out relative relative to uh mm. I mean, yeah I, I guess that one was i mean vertigo would have been pretty old by that point i think but yeah yeah like all the hitchcock stuff yeah was like 50s and 60s yeah so i mean vertigo would have been uh, what was that mid 70s 
probably mid to late seventies, yeah, I would guess. Um, yeah. Which I think is pretty direct. Uh, Let's see, Vertigo came out in nineteen fifty-eight. Yeah, I figured. High Anxiety came out in nineteen seventy-seven. Okay, so yeah, I was right. Mid to so late. that was yeah. Well, yeah, that was in the seventies, so that was twenty years know, around later. the same time as. <laughs> Blazing Saddles yeah. of making like genre trope movies instead of like specific movie tropes. Yeah. Like Dracula Dead and Loving It. Was that a Mel Brooks one, I think? <laughs> it that, was, but it's not one of the better ones. That was. Well, yeah, and that's another. Uh, you know, of. Um, like, uh, in the 90s, you know, he had. Like, um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves came out in, what, like 1990 ish? Um, okay, let's see if I can get this theory together. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves came out in 1991. Robin Hood, Men in Tights came out in 1993. So that's like making fun of a movie that was big two years ago. Um, Dracula, the, um, uh, what's it? There's so many of these. Because th there was one in the 90s. Um, um Dracula. Dracula. Okay, 1992, Bram Stoker's Dracula. The one with Gary Oldman. Yeah. Um, was another big hit. Dracula Dead and Loving It, 1995. So, three years later, making fun of a popular movie. So, I think in the 90s, he'd probably gotten to the point of, like, I'm just going to take a movie that just came out and is popular and make a joke-filled version of it. Yeah. But, like, High Anxiety and Blazing Saddles were in the 70s, and I think he was probably in more of a period of... Um, you know, making a thing about tropes instead of off of just one movie. Yeah. I haven't seen High Anxiety in a very long time. Uh, mm. I, think I, I think I tried watching it, but I, I've only really seen Psycho and The Birds for Hitchcock stuff, so I yeah. didn't pick up on a lot of the, the jokes. I don't think it's a great Mel Brooks comedy either. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's probably been like twelve uh, years Disney... since I first got Netflix. <laughs> hmm. um, Let's see. So you saw Robin Hood, the, uh, the furry one. Yeah. Which I, I mean, it's Robin Hood, <laughs> like. Yeah. Uh, Winnie the Pooh, which I mean, it's kind of the same boat, right? Like, you know what Winnie the Pooh yeah, is? Yeah, it's an adorable classic. Yeah. I I really didn't like the. The Heffalumps and Woozles uh, dream sequence. <laughs> mm. I don't know why, but it, it just it took me out of the it's vibe. Bad, bad drug trip. Yeah, it, it's it's like oh here's all these you know hundred acre wood animal friends and Christopher Robin, mm. and now here's a weird trippy dream sequence. Um, yeah, I think I'm just nostalgic for the song. So yeah. I didn't really notice how much of a clash it was because just pull up some woozles, very confusals. Yeah, and yeah, it's a cute song. Along to the song, and yeah, it's just weird having this like horror <laughs> drug trip uh, in the in the middle. Yeah, somebody was watching Dumbo, and they're like, "Oh, we should do that too." Yeah, like very, very specifically Dumbo. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's like, oh yeah, elephants are really weird. 
heffalumps. Yep. <laughs> Get it right. Same thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, you got your heffalumps, you got your elephants, you got mammoths, you got uh, oliphants from Middle Earth. They're all the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, there's. You should do a Lord of the Rings movie where they have a trippy dream sequence about oliphants. <laughs> and they're just, like, dancing around and. Yeah, I don't know. If it, stealing the one ring or something. If it wasn't in the Bakshi um, version, then I don't think we're getting it. Yeah. I mean, he would have probably had them fucking something anyway, so. Um, yeah. I don't know. They're making a lot of Lord of the Rings stuff lately, but it's all still in the same, like, serious tone. I think my favorite is Gollum, the video game. <laughs> Mm, the video game that crashed an entire game studio. That's so sad. That, yeah, that they won't. They, they they still exist to publish games, but they won't develop any new games because uh, they fucking got EA was so bad. Yeah, it's like oh, make this thing you have no business making. Oh, it wasn't good. Well, goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, but yeah, so I mean. Robin Hood is Robin Hood. It's really good. Um, Winnie the Pooh is Winnie the Pooh. It's really good. Uh, I love The Rescuers, though. It's mm. it's my favorite Disney movie uh, we've gotten to so far. Um, mm. it, it's, it's like, yeah, it is just another talking animal Disney movie. But mm. it's a legitimately fun adventure. Um, it's a straightforward story, which I, I found that I appreciate more than, um, like, the earlier Disney movies, which are kind of just, here's a premise, and here's a bunch of random shit happening, um, within that premise. Um. Yeah, did Rescuers have songs? Um, not, not character songs. Okay. It... It had a few, like like over the intro and the outro. I th- I think there was like this really sad, uh, <laughs> like moody ballad that was like, mm. oh this 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 isn't a fun introduction at all. This is like oh there's a child lost in the swamp, <laughs> um, and she's writing a letter to these mice to save her. Mm. Um, it's like, yeah, because I think like with Disney movies, the more story-driven ones tend to be the ones that aren't, you know, like characters breaking into song kind of musicals. Yeah. Yeah. It. it uh, yeah. I mean, I might. I don't think I'm misremembering though, but yeah, th- there's no character songs. Uh, it's all the soundtrack. Um. Mm. But yeah, it's just I don't know. Like the the two main characters are really entertaining and uh, likable. Um, like I said, Ava Gabor's voice is just ten out of ten. Um, like she she's not a great actor, but she's very enthusiastic, and that matters a lot when she's vo- voicing a you know child movie character. You know, mm. um, and uh, what's the last time you've seen the rescuers? Uh, so long that I don't remember. 
Um, you know, I, I, I looked it up a little bit. I vaguely remember the lady riding crocodiles at the end. Yeah. The only lasting impression memory that I had is that they stuffed a diamond inside of a teddy bear and I was worried about the teddy bear getting ripped up. And I don't remember if it actually got ripped up or if I just thought it did. Oh, well, keep that tension because I'm going to go through the whole movie then. Um, okay. So, the movie starts as the really moody um, intro that I talked about. Where mm. it's like this, there's just this little girl like alone in the swamp, and she writes a message in a bottle um, for someone to save her. And then we cut to I I think it's New York. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure it is. Where? Yeah, I think I I read a wiki summary of it, and I think it was like a in like the basement of the UN yeah. in New York that there's this council of mice that you know rescue people yeah like there's delegates from you know all kind of different countries and africa has one <laughs> it's it's kind of funny um, yeah but. let's see okay so the wiki sent in an abandoned riverboat uh in devil's bayou louisiana a young orphan named penny drops a message in a bottle containing a plea for help into a river the rescue aid society and international mouse organization inside the united nations finds the bottle when it washes up in new york city yeah yeah and they they have a meeting and uh uh bernard the he's like the janitor or maybe yeah. general handyman. Yeah, it says uh, stammering janitor. Yeah. Um, he's kind of he's kind of just there doing his thing. Um, mm. and then they start the meeting. They open the bottle, and uh, I I forget the character's name. The I just um the the main female mouse. Oh, Miss Bianca. Right. She yeah. she volunteers. Which I know to because I'm looking at a summary. It says Miss Bianca, the Hungarian representative. <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, they. She she volunteers to go to rescue the kid, um, and the the head mouse is like, "All right, it's going to be dangerous. Who do you want to take with you?" And everybody wants to go with her because she's so hot for a mouse, apparently. Um, mm. And then she's like, "I'm gonna it's pick. Voice. I'm gonna pick Bernard." And hmm. Bernard's like, "Yeah, I guess." Uh, <laughs> wasn't doing anything this afternoon, anyway. Right. Also, he looks like Mario. Like he's he's got the the red long sleeve undershirt, the red cap, and the blue overalls. Hmm. Yep. Um, and he goes down a green bottle, which looks exactly like the end of a warp pipe. So. Mm, so Shigeru Miyamoto ripped off the rescuers. Yes, I I'm not saying that he did, but I I am saying that they definitely did. Mm, Disney's got a legal case on them. <laughs> I mean, try to take a cut of that 1.3 billion dollar Mario movie money. <laughs> I mean, Nintendo versus Disney. Like, imagine that. That would be cool. <laughs> mm, let them fight. <laughs> exactly that that'd be like alien versus predator <laughs> yeah. um uh where was i oh yeah so they they hop on this bird pilot 
By the way, all the side characters are pretty endearing. They have a lot of personality. Um, mm. Like this, they're they're flying on this bird, uh, who's you know dressed up like an aviator, uh, and he's just really bad at flying for some reason. Uh, mm. <laughs> uh, um, is that the albatross named Orville? Yes. That I see in this. Okay. Yes. Um. Well, I mean, I, I I think first there's a whole thing where they have to, like, follow the lead and they, they find the orphanage uh, where the girl yeah, is from. Yeah, this is an or- And they meet a yeah. cat. Yep, yeah, Rufus the cat. Yeah. And, the, and the cat's like, I'm too old to eat you. Um, oh, you're helping uh, Penny. Like, oh, yeah, here's where they probably took her. Um, mm. So, that, yeah, they follow that lead and then they fly on the albatross and get to the bayou. Um, and the, the villain, Madame Medusa, who is, like, she, she's just a Cruella DeVille ripoff, like, there's no hiding it, really. Like, yeah, I think she was, from what I've read, she was originally even more of a Cruella, but they wanted to distinguish her. Yeah, like, especially the, like, the, the driving sequence with her, it's just very Dalmatian-y, um, Mm. Um, yeah, like after you get through the plot summary, I, I'll have to read you some of the production notes on how this story evolved from what it originally was going to be. Oh yeah, that might be interesting. Yeah, yeah it it's based on books, but they they took a lot of liberties and changed a lot of stuff. Yeah, I, I mean Disney kind of always. And it's also does. it was in development for a long time, and um, I think came out after Walt died because it was a thing that Walt had like started working on but didn't like the political undertones <laughs> of having the United Nations involved I guess so uh, yeah they didn't come out till after he died yeah and they you know found a way to make the story work because they they tried a bunch of different routes of like you know what to do with it yeah, like I, I think the climax was supposed to be a lot more violent too. Um, mm. They're like, yeah. no, just have the alligators chasing them. That's enough danger. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it says, let's see, there's the Orville. Yeah, they um, they get to the bayou. Madame Medusa and her partner, Mister Snoops, are trying to yep. find the world's largest diamond, the Devil's Eye. Yep. That uh, it was part of a pirate treasure that uh, got lost in the bayou somewhere. So, yeah. also Scooby Doo on Zombie Island uh, ripped off uh, the rescuers. Um, mm. um, yeah, so they're they're basically just shoving her down this hole where the pirate treasure was to have her yeah. look for the diamond. The the little girl mm. Penny. Yeah, she's doing a solo Goonies. Yeah. Um, and there's a sink. Also, Goonies ripped off the rescuers because that was later. You you are completely right. We're we're gonna make a list. Yeah. <laughs> and we're we're gonna make sure yeah, they all pay. The, the rescuers is secretly the inspiration for most of pop culture. Yeah. We're gonna tie everything back <laughs> to the rescuers. Mm. Uh, the rescue verse. <laughs> Into the rescue verse. <laughs> yeah. 
we're gonna tie everything back to like the the 30th most most popular <laughs> Disney animated movie of all time. Mm. Um, it, it might actually be less than 30. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Like, once we get to like Renaissance era forward movies, I'll, I think a lot of those have more of a fan following than yeah. You know, pre-renaissance yeah, I mean, Disney doesn't really do anything with the rescuers yeah ever yeah they had one you know good sequel um and then yeah they haven't done like any you know crazy spin-offs or anything no Disneyland rides um so where were where were we? Let's um, see. Okay, the, uh, so there they learn the Medusa plans to force Penny to enter a small blowhole that leads to a blocked-off pirate's cave where the Devil's Eye is located. Bernard and Bianca find Penny and devise a plan of escape. And this is the next part. Yeah. Of this um, description. Yeah, they have a run-in with the uh, Medusa's alligators. They get away. They meet the... Uh, Cajun mice and all the other animals. Uh, the the Cajun mouse and her hillbilly husband, which is funny to me, <laughs> uh, mm. because it's like, where the fuck did this hillbilly accent come from? <laughs> and I I know it's just because uh, the actor did a lot of stuff for Disney. He's been in like the past mm. five movies. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then, like... Uh, so it says, the following morning, Medusa and Snoop send Penny into the cave to find the gem unbeknownst to Medusa. Bianca and Bernard are hiding in her dress pocket. Yep. Um, yeah, the, it's it's like the final time she's sending her down. She's basically like, look, either you find the diamond and we pull you up, or you don't and you drown. Um, mm. So they, they help her find it in a skull. And a, a real dead human skull. Uh, yep, I guess they must have hidden the diamond in their face before they died. Yep. They ate it, and uh, yeah. it was in their brain. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she she finds it before, like, immediately before uh, she was about to drown. So that's mm -hmm. nice. She didn't die. <laughs> Neither did yep. the mice. Uh, Not they all get up to the surface and Madame Medusa and the, the least shocking events ever um, backstabs her partner um, is holding both him and uh, Penny at gunpoint uh, she sews the diamond into Penny's teddy bear and tries mm -hmm. to get away but uh, the mice I think they trip her uh uh, let's see, she trips over a cable set as a trap by Bernard and Bianca. Yeah. And loses the bear and diamond to Penny, who runs off with them. Yeah, and there's there's like a chase sequence where uh, Penny picks up her teddy bear, which happens to have the diamond in it, um, and her, Bernard, and Bianca are escaping on. Uh, I I think first in. Medusa's car and then uh, an airboat um, and that's 
that's where the scene of uh, Medusa riding on her alligators, chasing after the speedboat comes from. Yeah. Um, and I wanted Medusa to die <laughs> because she's like the mm. most hateable Disney villain I've, I've ever seen because she, like, like th- this might actually be the darkest Disney movie of an animated mm. movie. Um, just like yeah, uh, attempting to drown a child is yeah. a bit much. I'm I'm gonna kidnap this orphan, um, shove her down a hole where she will probably drown. Um, and then eventually shove her down this hole where she will drown unless she does the thing I say. Um, mm. and then like, you know, the whole time, like, pretty much uh, verbally abusing her, uh, <laughs> like, like, why would anybody ever adopt you? Like, holy shit, um, uh, yeah, and there's the there's the scene like the the day before they rescue her, where uh, she's she's praying, she's like praying for like every kid in the orphanage, and then she's basically just crying, asking for help, and I cried mm. like a fucking baby. It, it's just really sad. Um, mm. um, it's the first time I've cried during this thing. Um, it might be the last. Um, mm. I think every yeah. every other story I've probably that would make me cry I've well, probably seen enough times. <laughs> Toy Story two though. That might do it, but I've seen it so much that I don't know if it'll have yeah. that effect. Yeah, it won't take you by surprise. But. Yeah, it might it might get me though. Just the fucking song. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but, so it says Medusa crashes and is left hanging on the boat's yeah. smokestacks, and then her alligators turn on her and are circling. Yeah. So I guess implied maybe eaten by alligators, but I, they're not going to do that. I hope time. I hope they ate her slowly. Mm. Uh, like they they each took a leg and then they worked their way up from there. Ugh. Well, I mean, don't alligators usually do the whole death roll thing? Or is that crocodiles? Uh, it's, I don't know the difference. It's more crocodiles. Alligators do it too. But, uh... I mean, these these are, like, really fat alligators. Like, I don't think they would even need to do that. They could probably just bite her in half. Hmm. Um, yeah, my headcanon is that she dies slowly from alligator wounds. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, they eventually get Penny home. Uh, and... Bernard and Bianca are apparently a couple now, um, which is mildly developed beforehand. It's it's fine. <laughs> mm. um, and it's happily, yeah, well, happily there, ever after. There is a after. second Rescuers coming in a few movies, so you'll get a follow-up to that. Yeah. I guess. They fucking that one. Uh, mm. uh, yeah, Penny gets adopted, and she becomes like a national hero for finding the world's largest diamond. Mm. Um, because it was still in her teddy bear that uh, she escaped with. Um, so it's a ha- did the bear a survive? Yes, the bear didn't get cut open. Um, on on the last time we see Penny, she's uh, being held in the arms of her new loving family um, with her teddy bear in in her hand. Okay, good. 
So happy ending for everybody, fluff and all. Yep. Um, and it's 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 my favorite so far. Um, it probably won't be my favorite for too long because we're hitting Renaissance territory very soon. But mm. uh, yeah, I love it. I'm I'm glad I did this just for this one movie. Hmm. <laughs> Okay, so do you want to hear about the production and all the iterations that went through? Yeah, let me let me hear about um, how much Don Bluth hates Disney. <laughs> because okay, this well, is where it started. This is fairly long, so tell me where to stop so you can comment. Um, in 1959, the book The Rescuers by Marjorie Schopp uh, had been published to considerable success. In 1962, Sharp followed up with a, se- uh, a sequel titled Miss Bianca. That same year, the books were optioned by Walt Disney, who began developing an animated film adaptation. In January 1963, story artist Otto Englander wrote a treatment based on the first book centering on a Norwegian poet unfairly imprisoned in a Siberia-like stronghold known as the Black Castle. The story was revised, with the location changed to Cuba, in which the mice would help the poet escape to the United States. However, as the story became overtly involved in international intrigue, Disney shelved the project as he was unhappy with the political overtones. Yeah, I could understand August- that one. <laughs> mm. um. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, Cuba in the 60s. Um, yeah, that's so, a, in- a bit much. Mm. Alright, go ahead. Yeah, in August 1968, Englander wrote another treatment featuring Bernard and Bianca rescuing Richard the Lionheart during the Middle Ages. <laughs> a total of four years were spent working on the rescuers, which was made on a budget of $7.5 million. After being revived during the early 70s as a project for the young animators, led by Don Bluth, the studio would alternate between full-scale... A pictures and smaller scaled back B pictures with simpler animation. The animators had selected the most recent book Miss Bianca in the Antarctic to adapt from. The new story involved a king penguin deceiving a captured polar bear into performing in shows aboard a schooner, causing the unsatisfied bear to place a bottle that would be uh, read by the or that would reach the mice. This version of the story was later dropped because Fred Lucky, a storyboard artist, explained that the Arctic setting was too stark a background for the animators. Mattinson later explained, Our problem was that the penguin wasn't formidable or evil enough for the audience to believe he would dominate the big bear. We struggled with that for a year or so. We changed the locale to somewhere in America, and it was now a regular zoo, and we tried to come up with something with the bear in the zoo and needing to be rescued, but that didn't work either. Um, in that version, the bear was still retained, but was renamed Louis the Bear. Jazz singer Luis Prima was cast in the role and had recorded most of the dialogue and multiple songs that were composed by Floyd Huddleston. The writers also expanded the role of his best friend, Gus the Lion. Huddleston had stated, It's about two animals. One's Louis Prima, he's the polar bear, and Red Fox is the lion. Oh, God. Louis gets cornered into leaving and going to the South Pole where he can make himself a bigger star. But he gets homesick, he feels fooled. Then uh, uh, they send out little mice as rescuers. According to storyboard artist Vance Gary, director Wolfgang Reitherman had stated, It's too complicated. I want a simple story. A little girl gets kidnapped and the mice try to get her back, period. 
By November 1973, the role of Louis the Bear had been heavily scaled back and then eliminated. In one version, the bear was meant to be Bernard and Bianca's connection to Penny. Jerry explained, We developed the sequence where, while the two mice are searching for clues as to where Penny had been taken, they come across this bear who she had been friends with because the orphanage where Penny was living was near the zoo. In the final film, the idea was reduced to a simple scene where Bernard enters the zoo and hears a lion's roar, and that scares him away. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that is kind of a nod sequitur in the movie. Um, mm. But I guess it kind of makes sense in that context. See, in Europe, while promoting the release of Robin Hood, Reitherman stated, I took Marjorie Sharp's books along, and uh, there was in there a mean woman in a crystal palace. When I got back, I called some of the guys together, and I said, We've got to get a villain in this thing. The villainess and her motive to steal a diamond was adapted from the Diamond Duchess in Miss Bianca. The setting was then changed to the bayous found in the southern United States. In August 1973, the villainess was named the Grand Duchess, with Phyllis Diller cast in the role. Jesus a month Christ. Later con- yep. uh, a month later, conceptual artist Ken Anderson began depicting Corella DeVille, the villainess from 101 Dalmatians, as the main antagonist of the film. Anderson had drawn several sketches of Corella DeVille sporting alligator-leathered chic attire and sunglasses. One sketch depicted her wearing bell-bottom pants and platform shoes. However, several staff animators, such as animator Ollie Johnson, stated it felt wrong to attempt a sequel for the character. Furthermore, Mattinson explained that Milt Call did not want to animate Cruella DeVille. Uh, quotation, Milt, of course, was very strong against that. Oh, no, 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 we're going to have a new character. I'm not going to do Cruella, Mattinson recalled, because he felt that Mark... Uh, parentheses davis had animated um that uh, mark i okay a- animated corella beautifully he was not going to go and take his character the new version of the character was renamed madame medusa and her appearance was based on call's then wife phyllis bounds who oh was the God. niece of lillian disney <laughs> whom he divorced in 1978 oh my God. <laughs> this was call's last film for the studio and he wanted his final character to be his best he was so insistent on perfecting Madame Medusa that he ended up doing almost all the animation for the character himself. The kidnapped child Penny was inspired by Patience, the orphan in the novel. The alligator characters Brutus and Nero uh, were based on the two bloodhounds Tyrant and Torment in the novels. For the henchmen, the filmmakers adapted the character Mandrake into Mr. Snoops. His appearance was caricatured from John Colhane, a journalist who had been interviewing animators at the Disney Studios. Colhane claimed he was practically tricked into posing for various reactions, and his movements were imitated on Mr. Snoop's model sheet. However, he stated, becoming a Disney character was beyond my wildest dreams of glory. That's neat. Yeah, they just had a guy on set interviewing people and drew pictures yeah. of him and then put him in a movie. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of uh, weird because he apparently didn't know about it, but... Uh, yeah, it's, but I guess uh, he was okay with it. Yeah, it's neat that he liked it. Um, also, the writers had considered developing Bernard and Bianca into married professional detectives, though they decided that leaving the characters as unmarried novices was more romantic. For the supporting characters, a pint-sized swamp mobile for the mice, a leaf powered by a dragonfly, was created. 
As they developed the comedic potential of displaying his exhaustion through buzzing, the dragonfly grew from an incidental into a major character. Veteran sound effects artist and voice actor Jimmy MacDonald came out of retirement to provide the effects. Additionally, the local swamp characters were originally written as a dedicated home guard that drilled and marched incessantly. However, the writers then rewrote them into a volunteer group of helpful little bayou creatures. Their leader, a singing ball bullfrog, voiced by Phil Harris, was deleted from the film. A pigeon was originally proposed to serve as transportation for Bernard and Bianca until Johnston remembered a True Life Adventures episode that featured albatrosses and their clumsy takeoffs and landings. He then suggested the ungainly bird instead. Um, that makes more sense. Yeah, so it looks like, yeah, that's all it really has to say about the development of the movie. So. Yeah, so it's like they took like multiple books and had like a few plot lines that were gonna have like more talking animals, and then uh, you know focused it in on like a story about human characters, but also with help from animal characters. Yeah, that that's it was honestly less chaotic than I thought. Um, a lot of the details were funny, like the the guy modeled the villain off his ex-wife. Holy shit! Yeah. Yep, yeah, but it sounds like he meant it as a compliment because it's like I, I'm gonna draw all this myself, and because it, it was his wife at the time, and she became his ex-wife yeah. after the movie came out. Yeah, that that's uh, holy holy shit, the uh, the most <laughs> he made it the most hateable <laughs> character in Disney lore. Yeah, oh the, my god, the child abuser. Is oh my based god, on my wife. <laughs> I hope they didn't have kids. Holy shit. Oh. Yeah, like, so, I mean, even if you mean it in, like, a, a, a good way, it's like, is there is there any world where that isn't, uh, an insult of some kind? Mm. Yeah, I don't know, maybe that's his way of sending the I want a divorce message. <laughs> No, I'm not gonna divorce you. You're gonna divorce me. Yeah, I'm gonna show the world what I think of you. <laughs> yeah, you know Cruella Deville. Yeah, you're worse than that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, Cruella Deville has style, at least. Yeah. But Medusa just is a, a cold-hearted bitch. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I thought there would be a little more drama around Don Bluth because I'm pretty sure this is the point where he started not being great <laughs> with Disney. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like because he is mentioned as part of that thing with uh, you know them having like multiple animation teams, and he's yeah. one of the younger ones that they stuck on it. Yeah, I, I think this is like his first um, as like a lead animator. If, mm. if I if I remember right, um, yeah, I'm looking at his page now to see. I mean, because his his wiki page, uh, early critical success. It starts off talking about Fox and the Hound. Although, I see, okay, during production on The Rescuers, Bluth was promoted to directing animator alongside the remaining members of Disney's Nine Old Men. He then worked as an animation director on Pete's Dragon. His last involvement with Disney was the 1978 short, The Small One. So, 
I might be misremembering yes. them. He so it looks okay. His, his first project was Robin Hood, in which he animated the sequences of Robin stealing gold from Prince John, rescuing a rabbit infant, and romancing Maid Marian near a waterfall. For Winnie the Pooh and Tigger Two, he animated Rabbit alongside John Lansbury. And then yeah, so during production of the Rescuers, he got a promotion, but then you know after Pete's Dragon, he, I guess stopped working with Disney. Yeah, I may be. Although it says for Fox and the Hound, he animated several scenes of the character Widow Tweed. During production, creative differences between Bluth and the studio executive has arisen. Okay, so I guess it was during Fox and the Hound that he split off from Disney. Okay, yeah, I I was just misremembering which movie it was. I guess. Um, yep. The next one you're gonna watch is the one where Bluth animated a little bit and then noped out of there. Yeah. I I'm very tempted to add some Don Bluth movies to the list, but I don't want to add all of them. Mm. He did Secret of Nim the year after, and that's you know one that he had like pitched to Disney, and they said, "No, yeah. it's too dark. You can't do that." Yeah, that's that's. And like... then they went and did Black Cauldron, which is. Dark, but also not fun or good. Yeah. Spoilers for when you get to that one. I I rewatched it. It's boring as fuck. Yeah, I might I might take some very select um, Bluth movies to watch, mm. like Secret of Nim and uh, maybe one or two more. Like I'm yeah, not like Five O or something. Yeah, like I I'm I'm, I'm not watching like. Uh, what's that one with? You're not gonna watch the Pebble and the Penguin. <laughs> no. <laughs> what's that one with the dinosaur? Oh, Land Before Time. Um, how many lands before time? Yeah, all twenty-eight of them. I, yeah, I don't know how many of them he was actually involved in. Probably just the first one, or maybe like the the two or three after, maybe. But I I doubt. I doubt it was very many at all. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm still looking at his page. This is teaming up with producer Steven Spielberg. His next project was an American Tale, 1986. Uh, second Spielberg Bluth collaboration was The Land Before Time. Um, the main character of an American Tale, Fievel, became the mascot for Amblimation, while The Land Before Time was followed by 13 direct-to-video sequels, none of which had any involvement from Bluth or Spielberg. Okay, so I was mostly right it was just the first one and the rest just kind of took off on their own yeah and then bluth ended his working relationship with spielberg before his next film all dogs go to heaven and was not involved with um, an american tale five goes west which was just spielberg in the emblemation studio hmm. he also directed films such as rockadoodle thumbelina a troll in central park and the pebble and the penguin which were all critical and box office failures. Yeah. Like, I vaguely remember Pebble and the Penguin, because that's one I had on VHS because it involved penguins. And so I guess I liked it as a kid because I had penguins. Even though, it, I don't know, it's like an opera about a beta male penguin and <laughs> the, like buff macho penguin <laughs> who stole it, like steals his girlfriend and carries her off on his shoulder or something uh, i don't remember uh, and then the, the, there's like a rock hopper penguin who wants to fly and magically learns to fly by the end even though he physically shouldn't be able to uh i love animation yeah. <laughs> i can bait a male penguin 
Okay, I need to look up what the plot of the Pebble and the Penguin is before I say more stupid shit about it. Oh, Tim Curry. Okay, he was yeah, he was the villain, wasn't? He? Um, oh, nice. Hmm. We're already over time. Should I read the summary on Pebble and the Penguin? Uh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, the only person listening is Eugene, anyway. Um, okay, Pebble and the Penguin, for anyone curious about what this movie was about, uh, including me. In Antarctica, the Adelaide penguins practice a tradition where during the mating season, the male birds gather on the beaches to find a pebble to use in a mating ritual, and during the night of the full moon mating ceremony, the males propose to the female they love by presenting their pebble to them, and if they accept it, they become a married couple. Hubie, a shy and good-hearted male penguin, loves Marina, the most beautiful penguin in the rookery, who also seems to like him, but his evil arch-rival Drake, a muscular penguin who is said to always get in his way, similarly covets Marina's affection. One night, Hubie and Marina discuss their feelings for each other, but Hubie is unable to find a suitable pebble to propose to Marina with... Uh, to propose to Marina with, due to both his clumsiness and the other penguins desperately trying to find pebbles too. He wishes on a star to make his dream come true, and he receives a beautiful emerald cube from the sky. The next morning, Hubie ecstatically rushes to find Marina, but Drake thwarts him and taunts him, telling him nobody will marry somebody like him. When Drake demands Hubie to give him the emerald, Hubie refuses and Drake throws him into the water. Hubie narrowly escapes from a leopard seal and climbs onto a piece of iceberg where he is swept away from Antarctica. Hubie, after sleeping for three days, is picked up by humans and caged on their ship called Misery, which transports penguins Jeez. to a zoo, and meets a streetwise but cranky and virtuous uh, northern rockhopper penguin named Rocco. After seeing a, ver uh, a vision where Drake tries to hound Marina into marrying him, and tells her that she'll be banished if he doesn't, uh, if she doesn't find a mate before the mating ceremony, Hubie decides to escape with Rocco and flees before lying low on a beach. Rocco reluctantly tells Hubie about his desire to fly and live in a tropical climate. He convinces him to help him return to Antarctica by making up a lie about a flying penguin named Waldo. They have a short flight after Rocco tries to fly off to an authentic ancient uh, aviarial airstrip, and another, rock, uh, and another after Rocco saves Hubie from a killer whale. The next morning, the two attempt to depart, but Hubie admits to Rocco that he lied to him ab about Waldo, which infuriates Rocco to the point where he attempts to attack Hubie, but soon starts laughing when Hubie does an impression of a wheezing noise, and praises Hubie's determination to return to Marina. Hubie and Rocco run into a hungry and persistent leopard seal, but are able to escape it. With that, they become true friends, and Rocco later teaches Hubie how to fight for Marina when the time will come. However, their joy is short-lived as three killer whales attack them, causing Hubie's pebble to get lost in the scuffle and Rocco to go missing, leaving Hubie to think he perished. Disheartened, Hubie eventually finds Drake's lair and finds out that Drake had kidnapped Marina to force her to be his mate. Drake and Hubie charge at each other, but the former ends up knocking Hubie out, and thinking he won, tries carrying Marina off to the depths of his lair. Hubie, however, resuscitates, and remembering what Rocco taught him, fights Drake by doing martial arts, and initially <laughs> defeats him by drop-kicking him down the stairs. <laughs> yes! Uh, Hubie becomes wicked. overjoyed. <laughs> yeah. Hubie becomes overjoyed when Marina accepts his marriage proposal, and even more overjoyed when Rocco reveals himself to be alive. 
Suddenly, while reuniting, Hubie and Rocco hear Marina scream in terror as Drake lifts the stair she was standing on and, in a final attack, throws it at Hubie. The two penguins both dodge the large stone just in time. The impact considerably damages Drake's tower, with one of the slabs from the overhang crushing him instead. Uh, Rocco, however, rescues Hubie and Marina as the tower collapses while somehow becoming able to fly. When they arrive at the ceremony, Rocco gives Hubie his pebble, and he presents it to Marina, and she tells him that she loves his pebble, but loves him even more, and the two become mates. Rocco decides to stay in Antarctica while the film closing on, uh, with the film closing on him teaching Hubie and Marina's offspring how to fly. So, yeah. So that's what that one was about. I guess there were a lot of, uh, encounters with killer whales and leopard seals. And just kind of padded out the middle of that. I. I, I mean. Well, yeah, so it, I'm sending you a picture of the poster cover. Okay. So you can see uh, Tim Curry's character Drake hovering ominously in the back left. It's just like buff, fucked up looking <laughs> penguin. <laughs> That's yeah, he wears a cape. He he's Ganondorf the penguin. That's the worst looking penguin I've ever seen. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> he's just <laughs> He's get the Gaston of penguins. Yeah. Um, yeah he lives he, in a castle and the castle collapses. He is roughly the size of a barge. Yeah. I can't wait to get to Beauty and the Beast. I love that movie. Um, oh, but by the way, something uh, I I didn't say on the last episode. Did when you watched Speed Racer, did you think that like the evil CEO uh, role was meant for Tim Curry? Because I, I couldn't help but notice that every time he was on screen. Ah, uh, I mean, he'd be a good fit for it. I think. Yeah. I, I, I just feel like it was made for Tim Curry. Um, mm. Like all the, it it felt like the actor was playing Tim Curry playing that character. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, I'm curious. I'm checking IMDb now to see what Tim Curry's done since the nineties. Um. He played Emperor Deviculus in Brutal Legend. Mm. Hmm. Star Wars The Clone Wars, Darth Sidious, Chancellor Palpatine. Yeah. Ten episodes. That was, uh... That was... The end of one of the seasons, like, after... After the actor, uh... What... Did he get ill, or... Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I want to say that was the story behind it. Like, the actor got ill, and uh, they got Tim Curry to play the Emperor for, like, a few episodes. Hmm. Yeah, it looks like he's done a lot of voice work and a few, like, one-off TV episodes of things. Yeah. I'd be curious to know, like, did he just get tired of being in movies all the time? Because, like, I know people didn't get tired of him. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. 
Yeah, what, what is the worst? Yeah, because I guess even in the 90s, he's mostly doing voices and stuff. Yeah, I mean, he was in, like, Home Alone 2 and st- stuff like that. <laughs> Fucking yeah. command, command and Conquer. Where he wanted to go to, to the one place that wasn't corrupted by capitalism. Spice. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm wondering, like, was was the last, like, big movie role he did the uh, Muppet uh, Treasure Island? Oh, yeah. Is that one of his last, like, big live-action roles? Because that... Seem, it seems like it, yeah. Like, most Holy of the shit. stuff he's done since then is voices and, like, one-off TV show appearances. Oh, man, he went out on top. I love him in that movie. Yeah. God, I fucking love Muppets Treasure Island. I know I watched it, like, less than a year ago, Muppet but... Treasure Island. Well, so next time, you will hopefully have seen... Fox and the Hound. Well, yeah, we got Next. Fox and the Hound, Black Cauldron. Hopefully, I mean, if you get to Mouse Detective, I'm definitely gonna rewatch that one. I'm I'm hoping that by next time I'll have watched through Oliver and Company because then it's hmm. The Little Mermaid. So, um, yeah, so yeah, get then, it just in time to do the live action Little Mermaid comparing No. <laughs> I'd rather not. Mm. <sighs> I, I, I just, why? <laughs> because money, except it sounds like the money might be drying up on those live-action remakes. Yeah. But it's just because I hired an actress that wasn't white. Hmm. Uh, Alright, bye. Yep, that'll do. That'll do, pig. (laughs) That was the worst ending yet. That's the worst way to end a podcast. (laughs)